Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. It's time to hear from you. Kendall and Casey present Voicemails. Brought to you by QC Kinetics for non-surgical regenerative medicine treatments at 317-559-PAIN. portion of the program we turn it over to you and your thoughts questions comments smart remarks it is time for your voicemails the phone number 317-684-8444 if you'd like to contribute it is 1034 with kendall and casey on 93 wibc so yesterday rob you had mentioned uh about the new apartments that were going up in brownsburg oh you mean 264 of them after they had previously said we should really just focus on building out what we have now Mm -hmm. and then they uh, and then they approved 264 apartments, and then uh, their excuse was, well, we were talking about single-family housing. Because, mm-hmm. of course, why wouldn't you want to dump 264 more apartment units on a town that already doesn't have the infrastructure? And this is happening in these communities all over central Indiana. Noblesville, Fishers, Carmel, Greenwood. They These governing bodies keep approving these apartment complexes, and they are completely destroying the fabric and the makeup of the communities. I don't get it. Okay, well, I think you've answered this next phone call's question, this next person's question. You mentioned infrastructure and destroying the fabric of the community. But here he is, and he wants to know why you don't like him. Hey, Robin Casey. I'm a big fan of the show. Enjoy listening to the show. And... But, Rob, I've got one question for you. I listened to uh, yesterday's show, and you mentioned about, uh, you kept raving about apartment complexes. And I don't know if he had, might have mentioned this before in the previous show, and I might not have caught it. What is your deal with apartment complexes? <laughs> I live in an apartment, and it's cheaper than having to pay property taxes every year, but that's just my opinion. So can you be able to clarify that and let us know what your deal is with apartment oh other than that, keep up the good show. Bye. Casey, I need you real quick. Mm-hmm. I know you're a good practicing Catholic to mm-hmm. say a prayer for me right mm-hmm. now as I'm about to embark on this answer to this question that I don't say or do anything that is going to cost me my job here mm-hmm. or our broadcasting license because do I it. can't believe, I don't even know where to begin with that. First of all, yeah, you pay more property taxes living in a I always used to hear this all the time from people when I was an elected person renters don't pay property tax no you do you actually pay twice as much property tax as a homeowner baked into the rent because apartments are taxed at 2% single family houses are taxed at 1% and if you think their landlord is like just eating the cost of that out of the goodness of their heart, they're wrong. So you do pay property tax, you actually pay more property tax. Now, look, I say this as somebody, now I never lived in an apartment. I lived in uh, either standalone houses or duplexes. I have nothing against people renting places. And I understand that people early on in their inception need a leg up, or sometimes they just don't want to mess with mowing a yard mm-hmm. or whatever. 
It's nothing against renters. It's the reality that if you're going to take a community that doesn't have an infrastructure, like I was thinking about this driving in today in Indianapolis, and I was looking at the apartments and stuff, the complexes that are, but there's actually some going in very near where you are. Mm -hmm. There is a game of reasonable expectation that when you moved into a very large, densely crowded major metropolitan city, there's going to be people stacked on top of each other. Mm -hmm. Like, that is a game of reasonable expectation. That's why it's the capital city. That's why it's the largest city in the state. And you know that that's going to be happening because it's an economic hub. It's a, it's a work hub. At least it was before Hogsett destroyed the city. But the, the infrastructure is built around the ability to handle hundreds of thousands or a million-plus people in this general vicinity. When you take, in some of these cases, you know, three, four, five hundred units— and you stack them on top of each other in a place like a Brownsburg or a Greenwood, you're now putting a thousand plus people boop, into your community. And the reality is that apartment complexes, now maybe not some of the super upscale ones like you see in Carmel, where it's probably seven several thousand dollars a month to rent these things, but the average apartment complex that's going up, it does provide it does require more police service. Mm -hmm. Don't be mad at me. Just the reality. It does require more fire service. They are going to be putting more kids into the public school system. And again, if you're taking a thousand people, and that means let's say it's six or seven hundred cars. Now all of those are on the road. Yeah, that apartment complex plays two percent. But the fabric of these suburban communities was, was not built on mass essential immigration to or migration or whatever the correct word would be there to these communities. It was designed to be. Here's the way the roads are built. Here's the way the town or city is planned. Here's the sort of population it is planned for. And when you st you just start changing everything about the makeup of these communities. And if you look at all of these communities in central Indiana, they look nothing, nothing, even the, like the way they did 20 years ago. And I would bet, bet if you ask the average person who lived in these communities 20 years ago versus today, the people who, the backbone who built these communities, is it better off today than it was then? Overwhelmingly, they're going to tell you no. Mm -hmm. So it is, it is grossly irresponsible from a public infrastructure position. It's grossly irresponsible from a public safety perspective. And it's most importantly, grossly irresponsible for, from a historical and fabric of the community perspective. But the problem is when you get so many people who have moved out here and all it takes is one council or government body to have one set of irresponsible growth. And now you have all these new people who have no respect for history. They have no respect for fabric. Why? Because, well, they're, they're you know, they've transplanted themselves and they don't care what happened 20 years ago. Right, they, the don't, they don't care about what people grew up with or the game of reasonable expectations. And I mean, you are seeing this in, and it's not just like directly suburban communities like a, a Brownsburg or a Greenwood or a, you know, a Carmel. It's places like Danville, Indiana, Casey, mm -hmm. where there is growth going on out there that the people who live out there have to be looking around going, what the hell is this? <laughs> who approved all of this stuff? Uh, Danville, Indiana had been Danville, Indiana for uh, whatever, been 150 plus years and it worked pretty well. And now all of a sudden within the past 10 years, there's a house farm in every corner there. Yep. Pittsburgh, Indiana is becoming the same way. I'm told Lisden, Indiana is becoming next. 
that doesn't work. It doesn't work. And we are destroying the fabric of the state of Indiana, which is beautiful, beautiful land and beautiful, beautiful farm fields. And it's just it sucks. All of it sucks. It reminds me of Naperville, Indiana, or Illinois, in a way, because Naperville was a small little suburb of Chicago, and the growth just kept going there and going there and going there. And now it's the second largest city in the state of Illinois, and it looks nothing like it used to. Here's the other problem with apartment complexes, and it is also true for these single-family housing units. And I was told this directly by an Indiana suburban superintendent that these communities will look at the value of a home that's going up now. Like, and a lot of these house farm neighborhoods have, in some cases, four hundred, four dollars $450,000 homes. Mm-hmm. And people go, well, oh my gosh, look at that house. That's a very nice home. Yeah. The problem is, and again, I was told this directly by, by a, an Indian, Indian, suburban India thriving school district superintendent, that what is happening is many of these people who are building these homes have come from other countries, and what they are doing inside of these homes is they are putting three, sometimes four families to a house because that is not being regulated. Mm-hmm. And so what you've done then, this $450,000 home, you say, well, what a profit-making you know, entity for the community. Multi-generational homes. But if you've got three or four families living in there, you don't have a $450,000 home. You now have a $100,000 home, which isn't near paying for itself. And the same thing is happening with these apartment complexes where you have, hey, you, well, it's a, only a two-bedroom apartment. You'd be shocked how many people you can get into a two-bedroom apartment, Casey. (laughs) Okay, we got another phone call. Uh, Yesterday, we were talking about the new language that the Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, sent out. And here's somebody calling about pronouns. I was born in Indianapolis, Indiana, in 1961. I've always said, you guys. However, I lived in Huntsville, Alabama, and Stone Mountain, Georgia, where they said, y'all, or you all please tell me what am i supposed to do now i can't go from y'all down there or you all to you guys up here and when i was talking to a group of people you guys didn't just mean only guys it meant the people that were around me oh boy i need help every day (laughs) (laughs) Yes, because it changes every day. That mandate came from a guy who tweeted something opposite of what he's telling you today. That's correct, 100%. Yeah, so you just got to, I guess, go with it, maybe. Uh, Kevin, one last phone call, and this one is directed to you. It's the one that's called Abby. Kevin just got back from his trip uh, from the UK Mm. where he was in Liverpool. Yeah. And somebody wanted to call and give you a bit of trivia about Abbey Road. Uh, not me again. Hey, I got a bit of trivia for Kevin. Uh, I just called and welcomed him back. But at EMI slash Abbey Road Recording Studios, back in 62, 63, just after the first Beatles album that was recorded in mono, Les Paul visited the EMI studios, and him and George Martin... Sir George Martin created, invented, perfected multi-track recording. They had one channel of input signal, and they added another one. Well, why not two, a left and a right? Mm -hmm. And every recording after that is recorded in multi-track tape recorders. So uh, just a bit of trivia. 
Les Paul, wow, amazing guy. There's a biography about him on PBS. But anyway, welcome back again, man. That is fascinating. I thought that uh, that is something, Rob, that you can appreciate about the Beatles because that affects something that you do every day, multi-track yeah. recording. Well, yeah. you, know, you know, Casey, if we hadn't had the multi-track recording, there would have been no Strawberry Fields, which means it would not have been time to bury Paul. <laughs> How about that? Okay. Huh? 